You're listening to Biceps After Babies Radio, episode number 126. Hello, and welcome to Biceps After Babies Radio, a podcast for ladies who know that fitness is about so much more than pounds lost or PRs. It's about feeling confident in your skin and empowered in your life. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, a registered nurse, personal trainer, wife, and mom of four. Each week, my guests and I will excite and motivate you to take action in your own personal fitness as we talk about nutrition, exercise, mindset, personal development, and executing life with conscious intention. If your goal is to look, feel, and be strong and experience transformation from the inside out, you, my friend, are in the right place. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hey, 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 welcome back to another episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm your host, Amber Brzezicki, and today I am bringing you a fabulous interview. Just a fabulous interview. I'm so excited for you to listen to it. I have my friend, Christine Adjasafi, on the podcast today, and she is going to speak to some things that I think are really important to hear and that I will be the first to say I'm not an expert in. And at the end of the podcast, I even mentioned this of, how I have a a very strong boundary of not working with people with eating disorders, with binge eating. And that's because that's not my zone of genius. That's not what I'm really good at. And so I leave people who need that kind of assistance, that kind of help to people who like Christine, who can really serve them and help them at such a higher level than I can. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring Christine onto the podcast because she gives such a good insight into a world that so many of us don't know a lot about. And that is the world of bodybuilding, the world of looking fit, because that's really what bodybuilding is. It's like, how fit can I look? And what Christine does is she kind of peels back the curtain and shows an example of what it takes to be able to quote unquote look fit. And the measures that she took to get to the level where she was winning bodybuilding competitions, she shares her record of how many bodybuilding competitions she's done and how many she's won. And she was a winner. Like she won a lot of bodybuilding competitions. But the reason that I'm bringing her on is because she is so willing to share the process that she went through in order to get there and where that's led her now in life. And the thing that I love most about Christine, well, there's two things. The first thing that I love is that she is very vulnerable in this episode. And she told me before we started recording that she was an open book, that she was willing to talk about anything, uh, that wasn't anything that she was going to shy away from talking about. And I so appreciate her because we talk on some really difficult topics and things that uh, a lot of times there's a lot of shame around these topics and it makes it so people won't share about them. And we talk about shame in this, in this podcast, especially towards the end. And one of the things Christine says about shame is that shame prevents you from being able to do what you want to do. We think that shame is a tool that helps us to change. And in actuality, shame is often the thing that keeps us from changing. And so she shares some of these really raw, vulnerable moments in this podcast with the hopes of helping to open your eyes to um, something that is really important to discuss. And that is this idea of achieving the fit body, achieving the epitome of health and the actual road that she had to get to, to win those competitions. And then fast forwarding to now where she's at in her journey and in her life. And the fact that she's been able to recover from a binge eating disorder from bulimia, and now is at the place where she helps and serves women who are struggling with that. So 
if you are someone who is struggling with binge eating or bulimia or has struggled in the past with that, I think there's so much here for beneficial for you to hear from somebody who's on the other side who has recovered from that experience. And if that's not something that you currently struggle with or have ever struggled with, in this podcast, there are still going to be some amazing takeaways because Christine gets to the point where she really starts to break down the difference between uh, what we think is going to make us happy and make us confident, which is oftentimes why we're setting fitness goals and between what actually does. And so even if you haven't struggled with an eating disorder, even if you don't struggle with bulimia or with binge eating, there's going to be so much in this episode that you can directly relate to the goals that you have currently set. And I think it's always good to be refreshing and asking ourselves some of these questions about why, why we're setting our goals. Like what, what are you hoping to accomplish with them? And are the actions that you're taking really aligning with what you actually want? At the very beginning of the episode, Christine talks about why she got into bodybuilding. And I can't wait for you to hear what she talks about because um, I find it's a thing, it's something that a lot of women want, but don't talk about. And again, I hope by her being so raw and vulnerable and sharing these things that most people won't talk about, that we can start to talk about them and we can break down some of the shame associated with it and, and be able to, to move forward and to grow and to um, get to the places that we want to get to. So I can't wait for you to dive into this episode with Christine Ajasafi. I am so excited to welcome Christine to the podcast. Christine, how the heck are you doing? I am fabulous. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today, like actual almost jumping out my seat excitement. Thanks for inviting me. It's going to be so good. I am just thrilled that you said yes when I asked you to come on because I know that the conversation that we're going to have, first of all, I know you and I know that you're going to be like real and honest and vulnerable. And I know that the things that you share are going to be mind blowing for some of the women listening. So I'm so excited that you're here. So let's start out with just the like, absolutely. Let's start out with like the getting to know you question, right? So Someone is just brand new to you. They don't really know you. They don't know what you do. Who are you? What do you do? What is a little bit of like your history coming into this space? Wonderful. Okay. So I help women who struggle with binge eating or overeating, emotional eating, whatever you want to call it. I help them overcome those struggles. And I help women who have poor body image, who are constantly thinking their bodies aren't good enough, that the size of their body matters, that they can't get the things they want from life because of the way their body looks. And I used to be a personal trainer. I actually stopped training completely around the beginning of COVID. Um, And before that, I was a bodybuilder. So I came from the fitness world. I spoke to people who were like, my life would change if I could change my body. And when I saw that that wasn't happening with the change of their body, I was like, what is missing? There's like a missing step here. And that's how I got into it. That's so good. Um, And when you were talking about that, I'm curious your answer to this question. Um, You mentioned that you help women who binge eat or overeat or emotional eat. What would you say, like, what is the difference between those three? Or is that, or are they all the same? Really good question. So overeating is something that we all do. And it can be for any reason, you know, whether the food is really delicious, or you waited too long to eat, and now you're starving. So you're just like, 
furiously eating all your food. You don't realize that you've overeaten until you're suddenly like, oh my gosh, I'm way too full, right? Binge eating is more of a complete lack of control around your food, right? You tend to eat what one person might eat for five meals. You tend to eat that in one meal. There's not really any doubt in the person who's binging mind that they're binging. They may be in denial, but they know, right? You're, it feels like you're an actual bottomless pit, not like when you were a teenager and your parents called you a bottomless pit. There's, there's no, um, you're not, your binge desires are not ruled by hunger necessarily. Like it might come on from hunger, but when you're desperately searching your kitchen for what else you can eat after you've eat already eaten, you know, perhaps five meals, that's the symptom of binging, right? Um, emotional eating and binging, they do tend to overlap, but it can also be just overeating emotionally. And emotional eating is usually an avoidance of your emotions. Like you're feeling bored, stressed, angry, sad, and you're wanting to distract yourself from those emotions. And then you use food because in the moment, you know, it's like when you've had a really bad day at work. And you're just like, I can't wait to get home, get in front of Netflix and eat all the ice cream in my freezer. It's the, the idea of the food that you have waiting for you that's going to comfort the feelings that you're having. And also talking about avoidance, all type of binge eating, overeating um, and emotional eating tends to be a form of avoidance. Yeah, so good. And so then does that also bring in, um, and I'm sure this is different for different women, but we have like binging and then we have like binging and purging. And would you differentiate between someone who just binges versus a binge and purge or what's the kind of line there? Absolutely. So binging, binging and purging are different. You know, binging and purging tends to be bulimia and bulimia isn't always purging like throwing up. I was bulimic for 12 years. Sometimes the purging part of bulimia is over-exercising, which I also did. So you eat something. So some people don't even realize that they purge, right? They're just like, no, I'm just working off my calories. What do you mean? That's the purging. Feeling like you have to make up for the food that you just ate. That's interesting. Um, so when you were doing your introduction, you mentioned that you had competed in bodybuilding. Um, and I think this is such, a, like your story is such an interesting story and, and has such a, an interesting story arc. So um, I kind of want to go back to like when you were starting to compete in bodybuilding and that maybe that phase of your life. So, you know, what prompted you to like set that as a goal or set that as an achievement? How many years was that? What was that life? What was that part of your life like? Um, but Oh my gosh, such a good question. What got me into bodybuilding? You know, at the time, I didn't know it. It's in hindsight that I recognized what it was, is I have always loved attention. I've always been someone really love and need love and significance. I still like attention. When I first got into bodybuilding, what I have learned about myself is that I still love attention, right? We live in a world where wanting attention, loving attention is like seen as a, a bad thing. It's like, that's what I was going right? to, that's what I was going to say. I like, like, I, I love that you like own that you want attention. And like, if so many people would be like ashamed to say that, but you're like, yeah, I want attention. And, and we don't have to see that as a bad thing. No, it's not a bad thing. It's so natural. It's so normal. I mean, look, you have four kids. Like how many times do they do something? Look, mommy, look, look what I'm doing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and that's how I am. And we're taught that it's a, a bad thing. So sometimes we try and find ways to get attention that doesn't look like we're trying to get attention. Right. Wow. So 
essentially, I changed my body and got into bodybuilding because I wanted attention. Right? I wanted people to admire me and adore me. I wanted uh, love and significance. All things that I still want, I just realized that, that I can't get those things through other people, right? And I thought that if my body looked a certain way, then I would get that attention and I would get that love. And in some ways, I did get that attention, right? People were always like, oh, my gosh, how do you do this? You're so disciplined. You're so this. Oh, my gosh, look at your body. Look at your abs. Look at your butt. And, it's, it, you know, it's great to hear compliments. But the thing is, is a part of me didn't even believe those compliments when I was getting them, right? It didn't give me what I thought it would give me. It didn't give me a feeling of safety and peace. Like, it felt like if I could just look like this, then I could finally be at peace knowing that my body is good enough, that I'm beautiful, that people love me, that people adore me. And when I got home after or after I stopped reading the comments on Instagram or whatever, I still felt how I felt before I started competing. Like I wasn't good enough, like there was something missing, that I needed something else to, to add to me that would make me better. And I saw a picture of someone right the day before I, I can be very impulsive, right? So the day before I started working out, I saw a picture on Instagram and it was a before and after picture of a girl. I still remember her name. And in the, there was supposedly 12 weeks between the pictures. And I looked at her picture and that was the first time I'd realized that I could change the shape of my body. Like I thought it was just about getting bigger or getting smaller. I didn't realize that, you know, I could lift weights and change the way my body looked. So right then and there, and something I realized the other day that's important is this picture that she posted had a lot of likes, thousands of likes, and a lot of comments. And this was like back in 2012. So, you know, I, I maybe had like three followers on Instagram at that time, and I saw all the attention she was getting. And it wasn't a conscious, oh my gosh, if I look like that, then I would get that attention. But that's really what sparked it. Right. It was like needing to have the attention. Um, and then I started lifting and I saw competitors. They got so much attention in the fitness part of Instagram and people saw them as like experts and like the, the people to listen to, the people to watch, the people to admire because, you know, they're like the 1% of the population. No one else can do what they do. And I really craved that. So it felt like a natural progression. And I did get more attention when I was competing. It just didn't do what I thought it would do. Wow, that's, that's awesome. I'm curious, you said that this is hindsight, right? This is, this is Christine now looking back and saying, well, that's really what I was craving. I'm curious, what did you tell yourself at the time, the reason you were doing it? You, you ask the best questions. <laughs> I'm actually flawed. Um, I should write the, all of these questions that you're asking down in case I like interview people. And like, I'm just going to copy, copy Amber's questions. Um, <laughs> that's a great question. At the time, I thought that I was a, a little bit chubby, which is hilarious because I wasn't even close to being chubby, right? But I thought I was chubby. I thought I would feel better um, if I looked different. And I thought that I had a belly. And I really, my stomach for a long time has been like the bane of my existence, I thought. 
Like it was the one thing that was stopping me from being a perfect 10. Like that was literally what I thought. So I, I started listening because I wanted abs, right? I, I thought that having abs would make me look better. It would get me more male attention. I was single. I still am single actually. Um, and I just thought it was the answer to everything. It was like the improvement. I thought that having abs would improve me and I wanted to be better. Okay. So going back to when you were competing, what did that look like? How, how many competitions did you do? How many shows did you do? Um, what were those, what were the results from those shows? And what was the point where you were like, okay, I'm done. Like, what was that transition like for you? That's a really good question. Again, I'm going to have to stop saying that to all your questions. Um, so <laughs> competing. Oh gosh, this is such a good question. I can tell you why else it's a good question because any competitors listening to this, they are not going to like this, but when you choose to get into competing, Nine times out of 10, that's a sure sign that mentally you need to pay attention to something because it's so extreme that mm-hmm. there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a, a part of like sadistic pleasure in it. Like competitors want to torture themselves, right? In the last couple of weeks of a prep, I, I was secretly thrilled over how dead I felt. Right. Like when I woke up in the morning and my stomach was cramping from hunger, when my legs felt so tired from the workout that I could barely walk, when I had to stop in the middle of running in the morning because I literally thought I was going to die. There was a thrill to that. Like I enjoyed punishing myself. And it's like, there's a, a, there's a side of distorted eating that we don't talk about enough. And it's, there's a feeling of enjoyment that comes from hunger, right? Like, because you think it means that you're doing the right thing. And I think that a lot of us have been raised to be punished, right? And we are punished for the things that we do that adults deem as wrong. And what that leads to is adults punishing themselves when they don't feel good. Because we think that it's, it's creating change and it's not. And so my routine for competing, it changed a lot. Uh, towards the end, it was I would usually run for about an hour in the morning. Um, and then an hour at night, I would lift weights for about two, if it was leg day, maybe two and a half to three extra hours on top of that. Um, I would eat about six meals a day. I was not, because of my bulimia, I was not definitely not spot on with my meals. Sometimes I didn't eat them. Sometimes I would combine a few of them. Um, but my meals consist of mainly, mainly like chicken and uh, sweet potatoes. And that was about it. There were supposed to be veggies in there, but I didn't eat veggies back then. So I would ignore that part of my plan. Um, and then, you know, in peak week, there'd be water loading and cutting. So drinking a ton of water at the beginning of the week and tapering it off to the end of the week. Um, taking Clen, which in case some of you guys don't know, it's like an illegal fat burner. I think that it's actually for, for animals. Um, I never actually really did a lot of research on that. I didn't do a lot of research on a lot of the drugs I took. I just took them because someone told me it was great. And it wasn't my coach. My coach actually never told me to take drugs. He knew I was taking them because I told him, um, cause I wanted him to be aware when he was making my plan, but I, 
I took a lot of drugs and it first started with uh, uh, oral steroids. And then in the last couple of years, I switched to injectables, like oils that I actually injected into myself, myself. Well, most of the time it's myself, sometimes it wasn't. Um, and that was pretty much, that was pretty much my routine. And it was, you know, I would go out with friends. I was actually just talking about this in my story. I went to Brazil once with an ex-boyfriend and we went for about a week for a wedding. And it was maybe the most glamorous, fancy wedding I've ever been to. You know, it was in Brazil. No one in the wedding party was from Brazil. I mean, I, the, the groom, I think maybe his dad was Brazilian or something like that. I don't remember. But there were about 200 guests there. So there were like 200 people flew to Brazil for this party. And there were, it was multiple days. The food was divine. They had like this dessert table that was like the most beautiful looking cakes, desserts, ice creams, like everything you could want. And I looked at this table so desperately because I so badly wanted to eat it, but it like wasn't allowed. So I didn't. But so I spent this time on Brazil. We were staying on the beach, running my ass off, going to the wedding parties and not eating or eating like some chicken and asparagus that I brought with me from America. Right. And that's what I was eating. But then what would happen is in the evening, I would go run by myself my boyfriend at the time would be sleeping and I would end up somewhere like McDonald's in Rio at like 3 a.m. in the morning and I would scarf down like two meals, get back to the hotel, throw it up and then run again for another hour, right? Man, this, that, like that is not, you know, and not all competitors are doing like the binging and purging that I was doing. It's just like, it's a pretty brutal schedule for very little payback. Right. Competing is not something you get into to make money. There are very few people who are competing and they're making a lot of money. But does that answer your question about the schedule? Yeah, it's so good. And, you know, what was what was coming up for me? And you you had a post on this. I don't remember. It was a couple of weeks ago. That was just like so spot on. Uh, around this idea of what we think is like the look of healthy, right? Like what we think when we like look at someone and we look at them and we say, this person is the epitome of health. And then you kind of pull back the curtain and show like, Hey, here's what I was doing when you looked at me and said, I was the epitome of health. Is that actually healthy? And, and most people I think listening to this are like, we can recognize that those things that you were doing were not healthy. And yet if you looked at you, so many people looked at you and are like, she's the epitome of health. And so I think like you pulling back the curtain and being able to share this and, and kind of uncover this helps to break down that idea that like we can look at somebody and tell if they're healthy or not. So will you speak to that a little bit? Because I know you have some really important things to say. It's so ridiculous that we have this idea that we can tell whether someone is healthy or not. It's so ridiculous. And when you, even just listening to my story that I'm telling you, you've got to be able to look at that and recognize that thinking you can identify health from the way someone looks is so untrue that there's got to be a reason that you think that, right? Because yeah. you thinking that you are healthy just based on being small, there are people who benefit from that. And when I say benefit, I mean make money from you believing that because it's not the truth. It's far from the truth. Firstly, one of the things I want to buy is let's say that 
there are people who are overeating or binging, right? We tend to look at people who are in bigger bodies and say they're big because they eat too much and that's not healthy. But for as many big people, as you see, who may be overeating, who may be binging, there are tons and tons of people in smaller bodies who are doing the exact same thing and you just don't know it, right? So the question is, is it healthier to eat a bunch of food, overeat and binge, and then just say, well done now, and then possibly gain some weight? Or is it healthier to overeat and binge on your food and then panic that you're not going to be accepted if your body is bigger than a certain size and throw that food up or run 100 miles to make up for it? So that's something that you have to consider when you're talking about health. And not only that, it's like just thinking about health. What does health even mean? Like when you say you want to get healthy, what does that even mean? Like we're so unclear about what being healthy means, right? We have all of these ideas that if you're over a certain weight, it's like you magically think if you gain 30 pounds, now you're suddenly in danger of all of these heart-related or health-related, weight-related diseases. But if you gain 12 pounds, then you're safe. It's like there's a magic number that makes you unhealthy. And this is the thing. One of the, (laughs) I I could talk about this forever. One of the supposed weight-related diseases is sleep apnea, right? Or even, you know, diabetes. I'm not obese by any stretch of the imagination, right? But I have sleep apnea, right? So does that mean that I'm now not healthy? Am I not healthy because I have sleep apnea? Like, are you not healthy because you have headaches? Or not you personally, but someone listening to this. Like, what exactly is the line between health and unhealthy? And is healthy meaning there's absolutely nothing wrong with you ever. You never get a headache ever. You are always completely fine. You don't have allergies. You don't have asthma. You're just like in perfect health. Right. Is that, it, it, and that's why I say it's like really important to get clear on what we mean by health. There are many people who have diabetes that are not in bigger bodies. Like you can't tell someone's health by the size of their body. And even more important, and some people might consider this more on the woo side, right? Something that I want you to consider when it comes to health is let's say you have someone who has a supposed weight-related disease? Is it their weight that caused that disease? Or is it something else that caused that disease that also caused them to overeat and gain weight, right? What came first? So for me, what I believe is that our mental health is the most important part of our health. And if your mental health is not in check, then you are not healthy, right? So there are many people who are struggling mentally that manifest into physical diseases. That's not even, you know, that's not even me being woo, right? We all know how sick stress can make you. We all know that. 100%. So there are so many things. So instead of looking at someone, right? And uh, I mean, and it's just the fact is that you don't know how different people's bodies react to food. We have this idea that we can eat you know, a pizza once a day or once a week and we, our body might not change. And there are some people who might do eat exactly the same food you eat and their body looks different. 
So are you saying that everyone has to eat the same amount of food in order to be healthy? That's not healthy, right? If I'm trying to eat what someone else eats just because they said that amount of food is healthy, even if we're the same weight, even if we're the same height, but I'm still hungry, but I'm ignoring my hunger because so-and-so over there said that I only need 1,900 calories a day to be healthy. Is ignoring your hunger healthy? Like there's, there's so many things to consider that we don't consider when it comes to health. And on top of that, this desperation to be healthy at any cost possible is not healthy. It, health is not something that you have to strive and fight for and stress about. If you're stressing about your health, then guess what? You're already not healthy. <laughs> That's a good point. You can, like, you can just be healthy, like allow yourself to be healthy and get rid of all of these ideas about what it means to be healthy. Health to me is about happiness and joy. Get rid of the things that are getting in the way of you being healthy and happy. And one of those things is the idea that you have to be a perfect size six or four or two or eight, or you have to have a six pack and a big butt, or you can't have cellulite. Those things aren't true. Those are beliefs, right? We have a belief about what it means to be healthy, but it's not based on fact in any sense of the word. So good. So good. And I mean, there's so much to to unpack there. And I think the question that, that um, Christine asked of like, what does health mean to you? Like, how will you know when you're healthier is such a good one to reflect on. Because if you aren't clear on what that is, what you're trying to achieve, it's like running a marathon that doesn't have an end. Like there's no end. You just keep running and running and running and you're searching for this thing that you don't haven't ever really even defined. Um, and so when we can start to define it, then we can say, okay, this is what I'm, this is what I really mean when I say health. When I say health, this is what I mean. And here's how I can reverse engineer the process to get there, get, get to it. And then I'm going to have you add on to that because again, I, I mean, I just loved your posts, <laughs> your posts, but recently you wrote, can you diet and still love yourself? We all want to make improvements. Question is, why do you think being smaller is an improvement? And I just think that is such a powerful question for women to consider. So what were you hoping when you wrote that to, to, to spark into a woman who was hearing that? I, good question again. Um, so this is the thing. When I wrote that post, I didn't want to start the post and say, hey, if you feel like you have to be smaller to love yourself, that isn't self-love. If you feel like you have to diet in order to be accepted, loved, and whatever, that's not self-love. Like feeling you have to, you don't have to change anything about you in order to be worthy. But I didn't want to, to tell people what they are or who they are, right? I wanted them to question it for themselves. Like what is it that makes you feel like you would be better if you were smaller? And a lot of the times that idea comes, it's, it's so ironic because chasing a particular physique is often exactly what stops you from getting that physique, right? The desperation to be a, a particular size is what keeps it from you. Because what happens is you're like, okay, well, I'm really hungry, but if I want to look like, you know, so-and-so on Instagram, then I have to starve myself in order to do that. And you're like, that means I can't eat cookies. I can't eat cookies. I can't eat cookies. And in your subconscious mind is only hearing eat cookies, eat cookies, eat cookies. And what you might find is when you decide to cut out a food, you then start eating or thinking about that food 
more than when you were allowed that food. And that tends to lead to overeating and binging. And now you've gained five pounds, 10 pounds from the day that you said you were going to lose weight. And it's just a continuous battle. So I really wanted people to question their motives for wanting to be smaller. Like often the idea that you have to change what your physical body looks like is a distraction. That feeling comes from within you, right? There's a feeling inside you that tells you, I'm not good enough, I'm not enough, and I have to change it so I will be enough. And instead of answering that, pay attention to where it's coming from. Why do I think that? Because that's what needs your attention, not your body. So this is the you, this is the Christine now, right? Like this is the Christine sharing these like really eye-opening perspectives, you know, some of these perspectives that maybe people listening are like, I had never considered that. I'd never seen the world this way. That's very much in contrast to the Christine that you were talking about initially who got into bodybuilding, right? That, that's not, it's like, it's like different evolutions of Christine, right? It's the same person, but it's like different evolutions of you. So I'm curious at what point did, did you decide that like, this is not working for me. It's like this, like uh, this trying to go after this is not working for me now. And you start to like, I don't know, peel off some of those layers of figuring out, Hey, what am I going to do? What am I going to do now? This isn't working for me. What's next. So I originally wanted to heal my bulimia because I wanted to lose weight. That's Mm -hmm. the most ironic part of this. I felt like if I could get my binging under control, I wouldn't gain so much weight in between competitions. So then I could be even better. My body could be even better when I stepped on stage. Because all I ever heard from judges and my coaches is that you can be better. And bodybuilding on some level was kind of effortless for me. It wasn't because of the eating and all of that. But as most people around me when I was competing will tell you, is that I didn't actually work out that hard, right? I didn't hit the gym that hard. And I felt like if I could, my bulimia felt like it was like I had one foot on the brakes and one foot on the gas, right? And it was slowing my progress. So that's originally why I was like, okay, this this needs to be under control. It was only as I was in the process, like once I... And this is the thing about not dieting. Like once I got out of this constant binge purge and then every evening I would hate myself and tell myself I was the worst and I can't do anything right. And everyone else out there has figured out how to, you know, diet and all of that, but I can't do it. So once I got out of this binge purge cycle, it brought up other things that had been trying to get my attention for years, but were being blocked because all I was focusing on was my body and how it looked. So it was really just um, just like an upward spiral, like, okay, one thing came and then I was like, okay, well, I'm not binging right now and I'm feeling this emptiness or like, you know, I've lost 10 pounds and it feels like my body still isn't good enough. Like, I don't, I don't understand what's going on. Um, so I just dived even deeper into that stuff that was coming up, right? And then I competed again in 2019. And as soon as I started prepping, so restriction and a lot of running and having to work hard and being compared to other people, um, 
And what I also want to say is I won, I did about 13 or 14 competitions and I won um, about 11 of those. I think there were only three times that I didn't win. Wow. Yeah, I was, I was a good competitor. I won a lot and I won a lot of overalls. So I had like five overalls that I won. And, and I say that not so you can be like, wow, you're amazing. I mean, you can say that if you want, you know, I'll never reject that. Right? <laughs> But the point is, is that I, I won, right? I did what I said that I was going to do. I won the overall two at every level. I did what I said I was going to do. And it did not give me what I thought it would give me. And I questioned myself even more when I was on prep. I questioned my body even more when I was on prep. I felt less attractive when I was on prep. I felt more uncomfortable. And my last prep was in 2019. Um, it ended in September, maybe August or September. And I relapsed. My bulimia came back on this prep. I started throwing up my food again. And that's when I was like, is this worth it to you? Like, is this, because at that point I was going for my pro card, right? And I hadn't gotten my pro card. And I had to ask myself what I thought I was going to get from my pro card because it was the same way when I first competed. I was like, I got to get that overall sword. And when I got the overall sword again and again and again, it didn't change anything. So I had to ask myself whether it was worth it, like all what I was doing. And sometimes I don't think people evaluate that enough. They're just like, well, you know, this diet didn't work, but maybe another diet will do it. Okay, well, okay, that diet didn't work. Okay, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm not doing it right. Maybe I just need to do it right, and then I'll get everything I thought I was going to get from this diet. And at some point, yes, you know, I don't think that you need to diet, but if you are going to diet, like, there should be some self-evaluation going on. Like, is the way I'm feeling changing? Is the way I feel about my body changing? Am I being kinder to my body? Am I being kinder to myself? Am I receiving and giving more love? Do I feel adored? And, and at that point, I, I had to evaluate those things and look at the things that I was doing more stuff with, you know, business by design. I was spending more time with entrepreneurs. I was spending more time with people who I considered super woo. And when I was in those environments, I felt a way I didn't feel when I was competing. And it's wow. because in that field, it was all about not being enough and having to be better. And that's what they thought was motivational, you know, beating ourselves down and we thinking that was going to create a change. And at every level, nothing changed. So at that point, I was like, okay, well, I don't think I'm going to do this anymore. And I didn't say, I wasn't like, I'm never competing again. I still haven't said that. I, I do make an effort not to say never. Um, but I didn't think it was going to happen for a while. And as the months went back, as the months went by, I couldn't even imagine. Like, I, I just can't, I can't imagine doing that to myself anymore. There just comes a certain level. We like to look at people who absolutely beat themselves down at the gym, right? Who are, yeah, you know, my legs broke, go to the gym, right? We're like, oh, sh you're so hardcore. You know, I had so many workouts where my shoulder was absolutely killing me. My knee was killing me. I felt sick. But I thought it was bad off to keep going. <laughs> and it's just like, 
No. No. <laughs> I, have, I have to tell you something funny because you're like telling me this timetable and you, you don't know this. I haven't told you this. Um, but when the first time that I ever saw you was at BBD live, which is a, which is a conference that we went to. And it was in October of 2019, which is yeah. like right after you said that last time that you competed. Yeah. And I remember seeing you and you had on like leggings and like a tank top. And I was like, dang that girl's are your delts I was like dang that girl's delts are like amazing and I'm in a good enough spot that like that doesn't mean anything about me I can see it and be like that's awesome right like that's so cool it doesn't make me feel bad about myself it doesn't make me think that I like have to have that but I can appreciate oh my gosh she has a really awesome delt but it's just funny to me because like this timetable as it overlaps is like that is right after that last competition again, your like your body is in like the best shape, the yeah. quote, I'm using quotes right here, like the yeah. best shape. You're like the healthiest. You're like the epitome of like fitness and hearing like the backstory of like what goes into that is again, it's the hidden piece that most people aren't talking about of like what the yeah. cost was behind getting those big, huge delts that were yeah. like, I was like, those are amazing. But what's behind the curtain of that experience? Exactly. Like sometimes you know, you see people beating themselves down like that and you make it mean something about you, like you're not good enough and you're not cool enough and they have something that you don't have. And what you don't understand is that it takes a pretty deep level of self-loathing, self-loathing <laughs> to really get into that mindset and like just a complete lack of peace. You know, I would sometimes work out at 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m., 2 a.m. and hadn't slept yet but because I could not go to bed until I'd done what I said I was going to do at the gym that day I didn't have the peace I couldn't do it and I thought that that was badass of me that yeah I'd get home and I'm yeah I'm a badass yeah I'm so cool when really it was just like you really don't like yourself and that's just something to think about yeah it's so good so You've been very open about your your past with binging and restricting and purging. And so what has that, especially for someone who's listening, that maybe is is it need even that, right? Like they are resonating with your saying because they're they're in it right now. What has recovery looked like for you? And what would you offer to somebody who and I don't I don't you know, I, I'm curious, do you feel like you've recovered or do you feel like you are recovering? But what would you have to say to somebody who is maybe a couple years behind you or is like, would like some insight of, about what this process is going to look like for them? Okay. Great question. I know I said I wasn't going to say that anymore, but I had to. So I'm going to address your recovered versus recovering question. Cause that's a phenomenal question. And I feel like I've recovered and this is something to consider. Some people might not like this, but I think that when you have the idea that you will always have an eating disorder and there's nothing you can do about it, and it's about managing your eating disorder, then you will always have an eating disorder and it'll always be about managing your eating disorder. I don't manage my eating disorder. I don't have an eating disorder anymore. Do I have disordered thoughts about my body come up sometimes? Absolutely. Yes. Sometimes I'm like, oh, my body doesn't look good today. I should exercise. And then I know that day I will not be exercising, right? Because I will never, ever do that to my body again. So it's really, 
I don't believe in having trigger foods. So if you say you've recovered and you have trigger foods, you have foods that you can't eat because they trigger binging, then I have news for you. You haven't recovered because there is full recovery available to you. You don't have to manage your eating disorder. And in terms of insight, if you're dealing with this right now, and I know a lot of people have, you know, I, when I uh, posted on my Instagram that this is what I was dealing with, I got a few messages from people who said they were dealing with the same thing. And the sad thing is I have followed up with these people over time because I really wanted to help them and I haven't gotten a response from most of them, which lets me know that that there's, you know, I don't want to assume, but I am assuming that it's because they're still knee deep in it and they feel shame. So the first thing I would say is stop the shame cycle. And I know that that's so easy to say and not that easy to do. But I would try like hyping yourself up. Like when you have a binge, then it's like, you know what? You freaking rocked it. Like last time you binged, this is what you did. This time you look how different it is. And the fact that you're even sitting here telling yourself, good job, right? That's so, so much improved, such a huge improvement from the last time. Hype yourself up. Stop making it wrong. Because the shame that comes with eating disorders is exactly what keeps perpetuating the eating disorder. You hide, you don't tell people about it, it gets very lonely, and it seems like your eating disorder is your only friend, your only source of excitement. So stop the shame about it, right? Like stop making it a bad thing. So even if you spend another year binging and purging, you're going to stop saying this is a bad thing and I have to stop doing this and this is awful. You've been doing that, right? And it hasn't worked. So it's time to try something different and then understand that. And this is going to, this, this might be a process for you. Understand that the part of your brain that's saying, I am stressed and I need food to cope with that. That voice doesn't actually control you. That voice that says that is not the same one that says, okay, I'm going to go into the fridge and get some food. As a binger, past binger, bulimic, I recognized and I knew that I could, and you probably can relate to this if you have experienced this. There's a part of you when you're binging that knows that you can stop anytime you want, right? You know that. But then you're like, well, I just choose not to, or you push that voice aside because you don't want to deal with it. So you can actually acknowledge your binge urges. Like, I know that you, that you really want to dive into six cupcakes and then 12 donuts or whatever. But you know, we don't actually have to do that anymore. Like, what is this part of me that wants to do that? Maybe address that instead. Don't ignore your binge urges. And that's my problem with people when they tell you to distract yourself. Distraction doesn't work. Distraction is temporary. Don't ignore them. Acknowledge them, but also acknowledge the fact that you are the thinker of your thoughts. And therefore, you can control your actions around it. So that's a good place to start, like not making things wrong and understanding that that urge doesn't actually control you. That's good. You've said it a couple of times, and it's, I think it's so powerful that I'm just going to say it again and highlight it. Um, you've said a couple of times, we think that it's creating change and it's not. So we think that like 
shame is creating change and it's not. We think that like making ourselves miserable is creating change. So it, it comes, and I, and I do talk about this a lot with clients, like it comes from a good place. Like you want to create change and you think if I stay with the shame, if I, if I put enough guilt on, if I put enough shame on, then it will create change and it's not. <laughs> and so, you know, you've tried that. You've tried that. You've given that a good old, good old boy go <laughs> and it hasn't worked. And so why not give it, you know, letting go of that shame and, and breaking that cycle. And I know you think that it's going to, you're going to like fly off the handle. That's what people think, right? They think that it's like, if I give myself permission, I'm just going to sw- give myself an inch. I'm going to take a mile. <laughs> That's the fear, but the other way hasn't worked either. So, you know, what could it look like if you tried a new way and remove the guilt and remove the shame? And I love that you said, don't ignore the binges because a lot of times women are just like, I'm just going to try harder. Just going to have more willpower today than I did yesterday. And I'm just not going to binge. Like <laughs> I'm just going to ignore it. And it's not actually solving the problem. It's just trying to pretend it doesn't exist, <laughs> which doesn't get you anywhere. Um, so anything else you want to say on that topic? I want to make sure that you have the, so, the form to say and what you want. I- I could literally, if you take only one thing from this episode and just say that behavior that you want to change, I'm no longer going to make it wrong. And you Mm -hmm. really commit to not making it wrong. That would change everything for you. it, It cannot be overstated. Don't take that part of what I'm saying lightly. Don't even like go into the, well, how do, how, what should I, what exactly do I do to not make it wrong? We always want like, give me three steps. Like, tell me exactly how, right? And what you will learn when you get into this, it's not about the how, right? There are so many words that I can tell you and words haven't done it, right? It's not about words. It's just like feeling, get into your body. What does it feel like when you do something that you don't call wrong? How does that feel? Like, it's just like, stop making it um, a slight on your character and you will see a lot of changes. And I mean that mentally as well. Like sometimes we're like, okay, well, fine, I'll let myself eat cookies. Because Christine said that if I just allow myself to eat what I want, then it'll be fine. But with every bite of those cookies, you're like, oh, this is wrong. This is, this is, I shouldn't be eating it. This, this is bad. And then you reach for another one. You're like, this is so bad. And now I'm having a second one. And then before you know it, you've had 16 of them. So when I say don't make it wrong, I also mean that internal monologue. Don't make it wrong. Don't make it wrong. I love that. That's so good. Um, Coming from somebody who spent a lot of time in bodybuilding competitions, spent a lot of time in the gym and prep and running and all of the things now that you're kind of on the other side of this and in a different space, how are you approaching health and fitness? How are you approaching your health and fitness goals? Or do you, is that even something that you're focusing on right now? I don't have any health and fitness goals. You know, my goal for my health is to feel as good as I can, as good as I want. It's to experience love and joy at every possible moment. And when I don't feel joyful, when I don't feel happy, which there are many of those moments, right? Um, I 
spend time with myself in that feeling. I don't try and get rid of it. I don't make it wrong, right? Um, but that, that is, that's, that's my health goal, to feel as good as... I spent 12 years, like, putting on a front about, you know, being happy. People would tell me, Christy, you're the happiest person I know. Wow, I tell you, I must have been a really great actor. And that's the thing with shame that we talked about earlier, not to jump around, but I do kind of jump around a lot. Um, when we try and fix things, ourselves or other people using shame, it just, uh, it just creates a disconnection. So you'll either consciously lie to yourself about the thing you're shaming yourself about, or there'll be some cognitive dissonance going on, right? And you will think that you're doing one thing, right? But it, it's com the complete opposite. Like we've all had the experience of like a friend saying, you know, I just, I just don't do this. Like, I just don't guilt people anymore. I stopped that. And you're like, I'm sorry, what? You do that every single day, every time I talk to you. Are you out of your mind? That's cognitive dissonance because they shamed that part of themselves. So now it's like, if they are that person, then they have to feel bad about being that person. So they're just going to tell themselves that they're not that person. So everything that happens, all the evidence that is presented to them that they still are that person, they don't see it, right? It's like NLP. When we just delete things, you'll just generalize the store and delete. So if something is not making you feel good, you'll, okay, I just, I, I, I just don't see it. Um, so that's what we're. So that's why it's important not to shame yourself about things. I don't remember where I was going with this now. <laughs> I don't know, but you ended up in a really great place. <laughs> that's what I love. It's like wherever you end up, I'm like, uh huh, uh huh. Keep going, Christine. <laughs> I love it. I asked you about your health and fitness goals, and we got oh, to a really yeah. awesome place. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and I think I, like, I love that, that, um, your goal is just to feel good, right? Your goal is just to like connect, feel love and joy and, and experience that. Um, yeah. and I think what better health and fitness goal is there than that? I think that's what we're kind of all looking for, <laughs> right? Yeah, ex I'm, exactly. And that's why it's important to pay attention to that because, I move my body in ways that feel good to me. And when I say feel good to me, I mean real enjoyment. Like I'm almost to the point where I'm turning myself on where I'm dancing, that level of enjoyment. I don't tolerate my movement. I move in a way that I enjoy. And if you're, I, I move in ways that feel good to you, we're like, well, I need to look in the mirror and see that I have abs or I have like huge delts. That's not about enjoyment, right? That's more about belonging or need where, and I'm not saying don't lift weight, right? Do whatever you want, but your level of enjoying something shouldn't be like your return on investment on how your body looks, about how you feel. That's so good. I mean, I, all I want to say is just a big fat amen. Um, I love that. So Christine, if somebody is listening and they're they are resonating with what you're saying. Um, where can they find you? What, how can they connect with you? I spend a lot of time on Instagram. I spend a lot of time on my stories. Uh, so that would be the best place for you to connect with me. And my Instagram is Chrissy Ajisafi. And that's Chrissy with two S's, C-H-R-I-S-S-Y. And Ajisafi is like Aji safe, A-J-I and then safe, F-A-S-E. 
Awesome. And you, you particularly have some programs where you work with women who are experiencing binging, who are experiencing that like self-loathing that you talked about, experiencing the need to like change their body to find uh, success and happiness. Um, so do you have ways that they can get started with that or what does that look like? Yes. So currently I have the first level uh, of entry I have other than like free content is a 21 day challenge that I do. Um, and that is actually open for enrollment right now. I will, you know, I don't know when they'll be listening to this, but it will reopen again if it's not open by the time they hear this. Um, but I start with the 21 day challenge and I absolutely, I, I love this process, like talking to women and hearing and actually some men, not just women in there, um, when they realize, they have that moment where they realize how they've been punishing themselves for so long. And these beliefs, like we question so many beliefs that they have about their body and why it's not good enough. And they're suddenly like, wait, I don't remember why I said my body wasn't good enough. I did. Like, it's just, it's such a beautiful process. I love it. I love it. It lights me up. Um, and that's the first place uh, that people often work with me but I also do one-on-one -on -one coaching and group coaching um so it just depends where you are both mentally and financially obviously the challenge is a is a lot smaller of an investment than one-on-one -on -one time that's great yeah and I you know I'm always very clear with clients that I I don't coach with eating disorders that's not my realm that's not my zone of genius that is not my area of expertise um and I, I like if that's you and you are resonating with this, I really highly suggest that you go talk to Christine because this is not my zone of genius. That's why I brought her on. <laughs> and she is somebody who is, is going to be able to serve you um, in a way to be able to get you to a, a totally new place. And I mean, I think Chris, Christine, Christine, last thing I will say is just, it's, it's so amazing to be able to hear this story. I mean, we're talking about two years ago, right? 2019 was like, really less than two years ago. Um, yeah. And the, where you're at today from the Christine that you were two years ago is, is night and day, right? It's like, it's like not even the same in the same realm. And so what I think is so awesome about you sharing this story is that it allows other women to dream and realize that, Hey, where could you be in two years? Like if you got this you got this together and you got help and you got someone to be able to work through these things with you. Where could you be in two years? Um, and that, and that's what, you know, Christine is really good at, at helping and serving. Thank you so much for that. And it is, I thanks because now I'm like celebrating myself because I haven't had that thought in so long. That really was, only two years ago, less than two years it's, ago. Yeah, it's not that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. Wow. It was wow. really only like a year and like four months ago. That's Freaking even like crazy. That. Yeah. That's crazy. It's so much has changed. So much has happened yeah. in that time. And you mentioned that this isn't your zone of genius. This is 100% my zone of genius. I yeah. love this work. Yeah. I'm really good at this work. And this is the first time in my life that I have been able to look at myself and be like, you know what? You're, you're good at this. Like, I get up calls on yes. I'm like, I'm good at this. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. I talk about this a lot on the podcast where I'm like, we as women, we need to, like, celebrate our superpowers. 
I, in general, we're really bad at saying I'm, I'm really awesome at this. Um, and I'm always talking about, we need to own our superpowers and say, I'm really good at this. You are really good at this. <laughs> this is not what I'm really good at. You are really good at this. So yes, I'm all about celebrating and talking ourselves up and saying, this is my, this is my zone of genius. I'm really good at this. You yeah. are really good at this. That's so awesome. All right. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure to be able to chat with you and to be able to share you with my audience. I I really hope that you guys go and follow Christine. We will link everything up in the show notes. We'll link up her Instagram. Um, We'll link up her challenge if it's open. If not, you can have ways to connect with her, Um, but definitely go and, and check her out. Thanks so much, Christine. A big wow, right? I think Christine is brilliant. I think she has such an articulate way to be able to break down some of these things that keep a lot of women stuck. And the reason I brought her on the podcast is because I think she has such a valuable perspective to share with the women who listen to this podcast. And my hope was that it made you think. It made you, you know, question where you're at, where you're going, and being able to have the tools at the ready in your tool belt that is going to be able to actually get you there. And if you are someone who struggles with binge eating disorder or with bulimia, I highly recommend uh, reaching out to Christine, uh, going and following her and seeing what resources she has available to you. She is a great resource for that. That wraps up this episode of Biceps After Babies Radio. I'm Amber. Now go out and be strong because remember my friend, you can do anything. Hold up, sister friend. Do you love Biceps After Babies Radio? If so, the best way to say thank you is to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on iTunes. I know every podcaster wants you to leave a review, but it's because those reviews help the podcast to reach more people. And I do truly want to know what you think. If this particular episode resonated with you, will you also please share it? Either send the link to someone who would find it valuable or take a screenshot and post it to your social media and tell your friends and family why they should listen. Make sure you tag me at biceps.after.babies so I can hear your feedback and give you a little love. And you know, if you aren't already following me on Instagram or Facebook, that's the perfect time to hit that follow button. Thank you for being here and listening to Biceps After Babies Radio.